This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Best bits from Wednesday, March the 8th. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking to the Chief Commercial Officer and the MD of WeGo, Mamoun Medan, who joined us live in studio. Ahead of Ramadan, which is a couple of weeks away now, uh, what does Ramadan 2023 look like when it comes to travel and travel bookings? We got the latest from Mamoun. Uh, we also had the latest on that Hayes Middle East salary report, which came out in the last couple of days. Their MD, Sarah Dixon, was here to explain some of the findings from that. Uh, no big surprise that, yeah, looking at the region, people looking for jobs and what is an employment market at the moment, an employment jobs market. What about the impact on salaries? And is it all about just money, money, money? Uh, or does the benefits package also contribute more these days? Questions that Sarah dealt with for us this morning. It's International Women's Day being celebrated the world over today. So we asked the co-founder of Aurora 50, Diana Wilde, to join us live in studio. Uh, A, to celebrate the occasion, but also to ask, is enough being done, specifically when it comes to board members here in the UAE and the GCC as a whole? And Jay Powell uh, was active overnight. The head of the Fed is in front uh, of the powers that be over in the United States, explaining some of his economic decisions, and the impact they could have. Um, we got more on those decisions uh, and Jay Powell talking the talk, as it was, putting all the details out there. Uh, Fed interest rates high could continue to be high for longer than expected. Obviously, this going to have an impact on the recovery for the economy over in the United States. What about here in the UAE? A question that we put to our friends at ENBD. That is the Bite Size Business Breakfast podcast. Right, Brian Scott, what's the Fed been up to overnight? Right, so Jay Powell has been testifying to Congress. He's doing it for two days. Yesterday was day one. But yesterday was enough to spook markets quite considerably. Uh, Dow Jones down by about 1.75% yesterday because everyone was waiting to hear what he had to say about inflation, uh, data and interest rate rises. And he didn't disappoint because he hit all of those three on day one of his, uh, his testimony. Makes you wonder what's left for day two. Dead jokes, maybe. Not sure. Um, but the news wasn't what markets wanted to hear. This is Jay Powell speaking to Congress. Although inflation has been moderating in recent months, the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go <clears throat> and is likely to be bumpy. As I mentioned, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be, to be higher than previously anticipated. If the totality of the data were to indicate <clears throat> that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Restoring price stability will likely require that we maintain a restrictive stance of monetary policy for some time. Yeah, and look, the Fed has said since the very beginning of this um, rate tightening cycle that we are going to be looking at the data. That's what they're going to make their judgments on. 
People may be hoping it was different data. I don't know. Falling house sales, falling mortgage applications in the US, which do show actually that the um, increase in interest rates are having an effect um, in some areas of the economy. But we are still seeing strong jobs data and there's more to come out this week. There's about three or four different types of jobs and unemployment and, and wage data to come out, which will come out before um, the Fed makes its next decision. Those will be watched very closely. But he did say there, as uh, Jan Walters is going to tell us um, in just a moment, that we're not necessarily getting what we want, not so much for Christmas, but maybe for Easter. The hawkish message from Powell comes on the back of unexpectedly sticky inflation and a still tight labour market, despite the cumulative 450 basis point increase in rates since the start of this tightening cycle. Markets are now expecting a 50 basis point rate hike at the Fed's March 22 meeting rather than the previously anticipated 25 basis points. The outcomes of two key data points, non-farm payrolls and CPI, are due to be released before the Fed's meeting and will be keenly watched by markets and commentators alike for further clues to the likely magnitude of the next rate hike. The UAE central bank will match the rate and pace of any hikes by the Fed, meaning that households in the UAE with variable rate loans will soon be paying a higher rate of interest on that debt. Jan Walters, Jan Walters, economist at Emirates MBD, asking the vital business breakfast question, what does it mean for us? She's mentioned um, homeowners there. It will, of course, affect mortgage rates. It'll affect people whose fixed rate terms are coming to an end as well. Maybe those looking to get into the market and businesses looking to borrow money as well. Serena's joined uh, myself and Brandy here in studio. She's got loads going on on the news desk at the moment. Uh, Serena, details on the World Police Summit. So much to get through on this. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating. So taking place in Dubai, it's underway. Day one had the likes of Jürgen Stock, Secretary General of Interpol, Jürgen giving Club. an address. Jürgen Stock, oh, oh. yep, Secretary General of Interpol. So basically the event explores law enforcement challenges, the major role the latest tech can play in combating crime. And it seems that the power of technology in the fight against crime is one of the key focus areas of discussion. So Lieutenant General Abdullah Khalifa Almari, Commander-in-Chief of Dubai Police, told ARN News that a worldwide policing approach is vital. We might find the challenges of us here, let's say, the cyber security, but it might be in Australia something different related to narcotics. Maybe within the Far East, something related to online gambling. So it's really to see what the law enforcement over there been doing for those uh, challenges. So the World Police Summit is an event. It's an opportunity to exchange ideas, share experiences and explore new strategies to enhance global security. So that means agreements. So the UAE and Morocco, they've signed an agreement to work closer on anti-money laundering initiatives. Uh, both countries are going to work together to fight financial crime, terrorism financing and nuclear proliferation financing. Other topics that are being highlighted at the event, um, smart cities, drones and of course new equipment or in this case vehicles. We have the newest addition to the Gaith fleet, the Gaith SWAT Edition. Mm. So if you recall, the Gaith Smart Patrol was officially launched at last year's summit, um, pegged as the world's most advanced security vehicle. This particular model, the Gaith SWAT Tactical Response Vehicle, has been designed, engineered and developed by W Motors right here in the UAE. Uh, it does look like something out of a Christopher Nolan Batman film. Uh, equipped with cutting edge technology, I'll just give you a little bit of what 
this vehicle has. It has a crowd dispersal smoke system. Nice. It's got military-grade infrared LED light systems for night vision driving and okay. surveillance. Also has nine surveillance cameras with number plate recognition capabilities. If you want to see what this beast of a vehicle looks like, it is up on the Aero News Centre app and website and our socials. Uh, but the summit running until tomorrow, the 9th of March, and uh, Dubai police have also been sharing figures when it comes to assisting other countries and international organisations. So the UAE helped arrest 597 international fugitives from more than 101 countries. That was between 2020 and 2022. Um, basically, there were overcharges to do with money laundering and drug trafficking. Uh, they cracked down on 85 organised crime syndicates as well. And when it comes to joint operations with international law enforcement agencies, I know you will like this one, Tom. Oh. They helped arrest 103 fugitives. Some of the names, the Desert Light Operation oh. in 2022, the Ghost Operation in oh. 2021, Millstream in 2020 and Los Blancos in 2020. But yeah, that's uh, just a few points from the um, World Police Summit happening right here in Dubai, which uh, I believe the agenda is going to be from broadcasting from today as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, sirens blasting, that's for sure. Um, so that's going on at the moment. Uh, you've also got an update from the RTA. Yes, it is now a lot easier uh, for parents or guardians to book Dubai taxis for kids' school pickups and drop-offs. So the service called In Safe Hands can be pre-booked now through the Dubai Taxi Corporation smart app daily, weekly or monthly. Okay. Uh, basically, the RTA saw a 122% growth in demand for the service. That was between 2021 and 2022. And yet they've got highly skilled train drivers running the service. Um, you've got the DC. DTC app where you can book it through Customer Happiness Centre. There's also an email address if you need that. Is It is available on the ARN News Centre website. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Today is, of course, International Women's Day, a day where the world comes together to celebrate annually on March the 8th. A focal point of bringing attention to issues such as gender equality in the workplace. Also an opportunity for those around the world uh, to give their opinions uh, uh, on uh, some of the issues that women face around the world and then more so than the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres yesterday uh, making a statement saying that gender equality is still 300 years away. A chilling statement nonetheless uh, when you consider that half the human race may have to struggle for another three centuries for the full rights. Um, it is something of a damning indictment yesterday from Antonio Guterres. But what about here in the UAE and what about when it comes to uh, the number of women on boards? Because obviously it's something that huge amount of activities and efforts have been put in place in recent years here in the UAE and the GCC as a whole. Diana Wild is the co-founder of Aurora 50. She joins us now live in the studio. Uh, and first and foremost, uh, happy International Women's Day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Great Thanks to have you. Thanks for having me here. Um, let's talk about those efforts, if we can, Diana, because we know that a number of companies, a number of organisations, government, uh, public and private, have all come together to try and encourage the number of women on boards in recent years. Are those efforts bearing fruit at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so things have changed quite dramatically in the last couple of years. So when we first founded in 2020, the number of women on boards was about 3.5%. 
Uh, we brought some research out last year that saw that number rise to about 8.9% women on boards. We're still going through the AGMs currently, the annual general meetings. So we don't have quite those numbers yet for this year. Once that season's finished, we will. But we would expect it to be around 10 to 11%, something like that this year. Um, one of the initiatives has also been the Gender Balance Council put in place uh, here as well. I, I mean, again, is is this something that we look at and go, it has to be women on boards? Or are we talking more widely about women in leadership? No, absolutely. We need to talk a lot more widely about it. So women on boards is sort of the starting place. If you have that diversity of thought within boardrooms, you have that discussion with the owners, the shareholders, you see that trickle down into the company. And then we start talking about getting women into leadership roles and into C-suites. And that's largely what the pledge is about for the Gender Balance Council. It's about getting those 30% leadership roles uh, for women. And we're seeing a lot of commitment towards that. But there's also a lot of work that's happening behind the scenes as well. So companies that don't necessarily feel that they can achieve that within the time frame for the pledge mm. are still putting in the effort to get it done. So you will see that there is more women taking those C-suite roles, not just um, but comparatively to the rest of the business. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily say that they can put the, um, that they can actually take the pledge at this point in time. Mm. And I think this is where, you know, as a company, we need to take a step back and think about, well, okay, maybe today I can't pledge, but what am I doing to actually make sure that this is being addressed? Ultimately, companies that have that diversity of thought perform better. So we know we need to do it because ultimately there's going to be more profitability from this. But we know there are challenges and we know it's difficult and every company has different challenges to address. So for some, it may be a case of looking at it and saying, okay, we don't have it, we, we, we have that equality at the graduate level, but we have issues within mid-management. For others, they may be saying, okay, well, we need to get that diversity into senior leadership roles and we're looking at our own pipeline. How are we going to do this in the quickest way possible whilst maintaining, obviously, the strategy for the business and getting the growth where we want? How do we make sure as well, Diana, that we don't fall into the trap that I know some countries who were early to introduce uh, targets for women on boards fall into, which is that you get the same women on a number of, of boards, on multiple boards, rather than multiple women on a, a few boards just because the pool is small? Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that I think everybody worries about. Um, from the data that we've seen, um, we're not really seeing overboarding. Mm. Um, and that's that's what that kind of refers to. Not with women, anyway. We do sometimes see that on the other side. Mm. We have to be really mindful about overstretching people. It's a very, very big job being a board director. And there are rules in place as well to limit the number of seats that you can take, at least within those listed seats. But the reality is we want to be doing a really good job. So... Often, you know, when women start being approached for this, they do also have to take a step back and think, this is a, this is going to be a long-term career for me. I'm going to build a portfolio. Therefore, I need to really think about, is it right for me to take this seat now? Or do I, do I wait maybe for that international listed seat and do that later? Because right now I've already got four seats that I really want to make sure I'm really adding value in. It's, it's really about pacing your career as well. What about your reaction to the aforementioned comments from the UN Secretary General, 300 years away from gender equality? Yeah, it's, it's um, disappointing to say the least. Um, I think there was something that he said that I thought was very interesting was actually to do with the big data. 
So it's not, you know, the the kind of things that he was bringing up was obviously related to Afghan and other areas mm. that perhaps we don't necessarily think so much about on a day-to-day basis living where we do. The reality, though, is that the decisions we make do have an impact because ultimately the kind of services that we're providing, the, the way that we as a business operate does impact this. Um, and the reality is we have... 269 million more men online than we do women Mm. so it starts to skew the data and we have to be able to take a step back and make sure that those biases that are already in the system get addressed so that those people that aren't necessarily getting served do get served so we can really really change this and make sure that 300 years isn't the reality another quick one as well i mean i'm looking at the theme of this year's International Women's Day and embracing equity was a big call for inclusivity at the moment. Men and women working together towards these goals as well. For someone who's made it their sort of life's work as well to address these issues for a number of organisations, how frustrating is it that in 2023 (laughs) we're still talking about glass ceilings? Very. Yeah, look, I think I think what's great is the conversations evolved. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's not like I don't wake up and think again. <laughs> um, but it is evolving, and the conversations we're having are so different. And this year, in comparison to what we were doing last year, is enormously different. Mm. So, you know, all of the events that we're running this year are really around allyship and around he for she and and bringing men into that conversation. And I love that it's embracing equity because it really isn't about, you know, if we say, for example, equality is giving somebody a shoe, it really is about giving somebody a shoe that fits. Mm. Um, And I think that shifting in mindset is really happening. And that's a great thing. So, yes, while it can be frustrating to still be hearing these terrible statistics, it's quite good to see uh, to see the mindset shifting. Yeah, well, hopefully it's positive. Everyone will address it today, International Women's Day, twenty twenty three. Diana, can't thank you enough. Not just on today, International Women's Day, but for all the work you do. So, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much for having me, Diana. Well, co-founder of Aurora Fifty. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. And of course, the reason that Jay Powell is looking to keep hiking interest rates, he says it's because of the data, and the data all feeds into inflation. And that also feeds into our next story this morning as well, because we're looking at pay rises. More businesses in the GCC are expected to give their workers salary increases this year, according to a new report from the recruitment firm Hayes. Uh, They have found that more than half of employees in the UAE and the Gulf received a raise in 2022. But one of the big questions is how much? Uh, If we're looking at sort of about five-ish percent uh, in inflation for last year and some are increasing a little bit of a drop this year, um, some increasing it, uh, expecting it to stay steady. What does that mean for the pay rises that you could get? Will you actually make more money or will you just be staying, hopefully, at the same rate, better than going backwards. Sarah Dixon is the Managing Director of Hayes Middle East. She's been speaking to our producer, Mohammed Solomon, outlining the main findings of that salary report. So at the end of last year, we surveyed over 2,000 employers and employees about what happened in 2022 and their intentions around headcount growth, hiring, salaries, working models and more for the coming year. The survey confirmed that 2022 was a bumper year for all things recruitment, with headcount increases at three-year record levels and more than half of employees receiving a salary increase. The good news is that the positive sentiment towards hiring is set to continue into 2023. 85% of employers in the region plan to recruit permanent employees this year. 
Also, three quarters of them expect salaries to increase. But before we get too excited, the most common increment would be 5% or less. While optimism from employers is not quite as high as last year, which was a record 78%, there is still a healthy 65% feeling optimistic about the economic and employment opportunities coming to us in the GCC this year. And just to put that in context, inflation um, for the first nine months of last year was 5.5% in the UAE. Um, some projections, as I said, putting it between um, 5 and 5.5%, some a little bit lower for this year in the UAE. So which sectors are likely to see pay increases? Uh, Sarah says some are looking better than others. I'd highlight three sectors to look out for when it comes to great employment prospects this year. The number one sector in terms of hiring for the second consecutive year is technology, with 88% of employers planning to recruit. Next, the sector with the best salary increases. Last year, this was the industrial sector, uh, with employees in manufacturing, procurement and supply chain professions enjoying the highest number of salary increases. It was also the highest percentage increment, some people receiving 20% or even more in some markets. We're forecasting more moderate salary increases this year, but still positive. Lastly, watch out for our most optimistic sector when it comes to both economic outlook and employment opportunities. This is construction and property, which enjoyed the lowest attrition rates in 2022 and has a continued positive outlook driven by giga projects in Saudi Arabia. It's interesting if you're a real estate agent, you're probably not throwing the towel in right about now. Let us know, by the way, if you are an employer, what you are planning to do this year in terms of salary rises. And if you're an employee, what you've already seen this year or last year, we'd love to know what's happening on the ground. Sarah's also been speaking to producer Mohammed about flexible work options. For many, it's not just about the money. How much is it a competitive differentiator when you're trying to get staff? We were a bit surprised by the survey results when it comes to flexible working trends. Less than half of employers surveyed offer any remote or hybrid working options. And 20% actually expect that employees will be required in the workplace even more in 2023. This probably follows the global trend of many corporates uh, over the past year to get people back in the office. However, flexible working is already at a low rate in the region. And considering that this is the most valued benefit as cited by employees in our survey, companies should look at enhancing their flex work policies to beat the competition when it comes to both employee retention and new talent attraction. Finally, Sarah was discussing with producer Mohammed what impact the new amortisation targets were having on salaries and recruiting. So amortisation continues to be a focus for UAE employers in 2023. 40% of organisations currently employ Emiratis, and 49% plan to further increase this headcount. One interesting find from our survey was that UAE nationals are the least likely of any professional group intending to change companies in 2023. Just 21% of UAE nationals stated an intention to move, compared with 45% of professionals overall. Instead, almost a third of Emirati talent is looking to be promoted within their existing organisation. So. To retain your UAE national workforce, make sure to set individual promotional and success targets, outlining clear career paths to enable your employees to achieve their career ambitions. Sarah Dixon, managing partner of Hayes Middle East, speaking to Mohammed Solomon. It is the salary survey season. 
uh, say that three times particularly fast. Um, we will see a raft of them, no doubt, coming out from a number of recruitment agencies predicting what we could see in pay rises this year. Interesting to look at that uh, report in some details and the fact that, uh, as you just heard there, salary, one thing, but benefits package, uh, another thing altogether. The number one factor that attracts employees to the new roles, uh, to a new role, according to the studies there. Uh, and they're changing, as uh, are the packages at the moment. Flexible working, obviously top of the list. Child education allowances, air tickets are the most valued benefits for employees at the moment. Um, and the flexible working option is obviously something that is viable for employers to counter fierce competition out there at the moment. People are, companies are now using working hours and flexible working hours as a means to attract talent over other options. Is it more important, and I suppose everyone's different, than the money though? I mean, I was chatting recently to someone who was hiring for, you know, a pretty big role, who was saying that they'd identified a couple of people that they wanted, but the war for talent in certain areas at the moment is still pretty high. And that those people's employers, employers, um, were just making really, really good counter offers to keep them. Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting one, and, I'm, uh, and in fact, it's one of the questions we're, we're going to put to Diana Wild in just a few moments' time, uh, because one of the benefits of flexible working options is for working parents, uh, mothers and fathers alike, and having the opportunity to do the school pickup, to spend more time with your children. That work-life balance has obviously been addressed in more detail. Um, since the pandemic, etc. But you're right. I mean, in what is a work-heavy environment like the UAE, does it just all come down to results and salary at the end of the day? Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. We are looking at travel this morning. We've got about two and a half weeks until Ramadan kicks in. And then, of course, we have the Eid breaks. What does it all mean for airfares? and for hotel room rates. Very pleased to have in the studio Mamoon Hamidan, who is the Regional Chief Commercial Officer and the Managing Director at the travel platform WeGo. Mamoon, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Good morning. So how organised have people been this year for Ramadan and Eid travel? So, yeah, Ramadan and Eid is basically where every year we consider as the kickstart of the season. Um, Travel is a very uh, seasonal business, as you know, and basically we always determine the trend and the seasonality map of the year based on Ramadan, especially that keeps shifting every year by two weeks or so. So this is a very unique year, uh, I would say, when it comes to Ramadan. It's conceding with the school holidays. Um, so that's kind of generating more and more uh, demand and traffic at the moment. Airfares are on the rise. Um, hotel rooms rate are on the rise. Um, new mix of destinations. Uh, coming throughout the time where Easter will kick in as well. So it's multiple occasions in, in one, let's say, for this year. So it's kind of changing things a little bit for us. So how much more is more? How much more activity are you seeing? So generally, in terms of in terms of, of traffic and searches and bookings, I think we are, we are definitely on like 20% of uh, more than what we saw last year, around the same time of this year. Um, but... Uh, that's subject to increase. This is a very last-minute market, as you know. Um, Ramadan plans usually, the trend in Ramadan goes like a bit quiet at the beginning, so it, it slows down. And then by the second week of Ramadan, we start to see the trend going up. Third week is where it peaks. And the fourth week is where we see most of the action is happening. So 
So it's going to keep on increasing. I'm expecting around around uh, 40 plus percent year on year sort of increase when it comes to uh, to bookings during the the coming three to four weeks from now. So what does that mean for prices so far? So so far the prices are anywhere on the rise between 13 to 35 percent. So on a, on the airfares. So and that's subject to increase, of course. The the key thing that the capacity is not back yet in terms of airlines capacity. I mean, if you look if you look at UAE, for example, if you, look, if you take Emirates, for example, we're still at the 80 percent of the capacity we used to have pre-COVID, right? So there are lots of number of seats and airplanes that haven't been brought into 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 uh, into tr- into the action again, and that's creating a little bit of uh, difficulty on the supply side where the demand is going back to even bigger than 2019. Where geographically is this demand going? So there there is a static sort of destinations and, you know, regular destinations when it comes to Ramadan, the likes of Amman, Beirut, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, of course, for for Umrah uh, travelers. Uh, Lots of people go at the end of Ramadan, basically on Eid holiday, they go back home. So you have lots of traffic towards Jordan, towards uh, towards Lebanon, uh, Turkey, multiple other places. From a touristic point of view, uh, you see lots and lots of traffic going towards uh, uh, towards India, towards uh, towards the UK, and multiple other destinations. So so usually it's kind of pretty much visiting families and friends. And then an extension of that for people who would be on a normal, uh, you know, t- tourist trip to some new destination. We've seen some destinations on the rise in the past few years, and those are expected to continue. So the likes of Azerbaijan, Georgia, the three, four hours, uh, you know, direct flight destinations from, from, from Dubai or from UAE, we're seeing that uh, coming back into the action now. What about people coming into Dubai? Well, Dubai is uh, definitely on the growth. As you know, last year we reported around 14.7 million uh, international visitors. That's subject to increase this year, definitely. Um, it's the highest occupancy rate in terms of uh, of hotels, I would say, worldwide, 70% throughout the year. So, um, you know, that that's great. Um, uh, room rates are, are on the rise, obviously. So we're comparing something around, you know, from almost $220 now to $290 a couple of months ago. So so that's subject to increase as well, being that lots and lots and lots of events happening in Dubai, as you know, at the moment. <coughs> and that's uh, that's driving lots of demand towards uh, towards hotels and visitors as well. And uh, and I think I think the same is going across when you look at, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi as, a, as another destination where basically it's uh, um, you know, organizing and receiving many, many events at the moment and getting so many visitors coming into the into the city as well. The last month was a particularly crazy one for, for conferences. I mean, anecdotally, people who ended up sleeping on Tom's sofa <laughs> rather than getting a, uh, a hotel room. Um, we heard about crazy prices. What did the official measurements say? Um I, I think it's very close to what we were just saying, right? So, so high occupancy rate. Um, we we had we had times during last month to to your point, you know, where basically occupancy rate hit up to like more than ninety five percent, and that's that's uh, very very big in terms of uh, an occupancy rate uh, measurement. There is lots and lots of uh, of uh, of increase on prices uh, that's been reported, um, something around 9%, as uh, as what the officials said. I think that's what we see as well. But that's subject to increase, obviously. But the good news is that we, 
there are 47,000 extra rooms that can be coming into the market by 2030. So every year we're going to see more and more rooms coming into the, the market in the UAE. Um, Dubai has the biggest share of it, obviously, but then uh, that goes across the, the rest of the Emirates. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Speaking to Mamoon Hamidin, who is the Regional Chief Commercial Officer and the Managing Director at the travel platform WeGo, having a look with just about two and a half weeks to Ramadan about what's happening in terms of airfares, hotel rates and demand for both. People booking a little bit last minute, but the prices are rising. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.